you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, I want to start by reading uh, an article that I found that I, I really believe goes along with it. Uh, in this article it says, there's good news and there's bad news. Which do you want first? Well, the good news is that God's grace is free and unlimited to you. The bad news is that so many of us try to earn grace through what we do. We perform and perform thinking that we must in order for God that we must in order for God to love us. We don't need to perform. When Jesus ministered to people, was it based on their goodness? <laughs> Not at all. In fact, he instructed his disciples to offer what they had to those who lacked uh, the means of repayment. As one author suggests, God's grace operates in the same fashion today, not just for salvation, but for all of life. He offers the inconceivable to the unworthy and withholds the expected from the deserving. Faith is not a system of proving our worthiness to him, but an unadorned reception of what he offers, focusing not on the strength of the receiver, but on the character of the giver. Sometimes we feel like we don't deserve God's grace. The truth of the matter is, we don't deserve it, but he gives it anyway. God's grace is available when everything else in your life is, is going well. God's grace is available when everything in your life is not going well. We hit the storms in your life. Matthew 14, 25 to 32, Peter hit a storm on the water. Jesus said to Peter, and to us in the midst of the storm, come on, trust me. I'll take you through this. Sometimes it's a hard choice to trust God in the midst of the hard problems. But this trust is only made possible through God's grace. In every circumstance, God's grace is there, not to take away the problem and ease the struggle, but to strengthen us and to help us through the situation. You know what? You don't have to deserve that grace. Just accept his gift. Just accept it. Salvation through faith in the grace of God is a, is a topic that, that not only was woven through the passages of Scripture that, that Galatians is speaking so eloquently about, but it is also a, an issue all through the history of the church. Uh, certainly they dealt with it in the uh, church shortly after its inception, or we wouldn't have the book of Galatians. But just going through history, there was, in the 5th century, there was a Pelagian monk, or there was a monk by the name of Pelagian. I'll get that right. And uh, he, uh, he taught that access to heaven had to be earned. You have to work hard. You have to work hard to be acceptable to God. And, and of course, most would make it. He believed that if you worked hard enough, you could be perfect. And if you were perfect, then you would get into heaven. It had to be earned. Galatians 2.21 uh, really speaks against that. It says, uh, Do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, through being good, through keeping all the rules and regulations, then Christ died needlessly. You know what that says? If I could be good enough, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. It wasn't necessary. And yet, because of his great love, he went to the cross for us and gave his life for us. About the same time as Pelagian was giving his teaching, a man by the name of Augustine came along, and he reinforced that doctrine that uh, we're all sinners from birth, that we aren't perfect, that we are born with this sin nature, 
And then he said, salvation is by faith in the grace of God and by faith alone, not by works. And you know, Augustine really won the day at that point. Otherwise, we would probably have a terrible heresy throughout the church. And most of us wouldn't have a relationship with God at all because of the improper teaching that would have been there. 1377, let me just give you a little history lesson. 1377, there's a man by the name of John Wycliffe, and he was a reformer in Egypt, and, or I mean in England. Man, I'm really off today. And he was condemned by the Pope for his teaching of salvation being based on faith in Christ and that being the basis of man's salvation. 1415, a man by the name of John Huss was a student of Wycliffe's. And because of that, and he believed that Jesus Christ died for his sins, that he paid the penalty for his sins, and by faith he received Jesus Christ, he would not recant of that and was burned at the stake. 1520, we know this reformer, his name was Martin Luther, and he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. He was a, a priest. Did you know Luther was a priest? He was a priest, and he began to study the Bible, and he saw that we are justified by faith, and faith alone, and and then he looked around, and the Catholic Church was, was selling indulgences, and they were making money off this, and if you bought an indulgence, then your salvation would be more secure. And Luther said, that's not what the Bible says. He went down to Rome. He talked to them and said, they said to him, well, we kind of like it, and we're making money off of it, and uh, we believe that that's important. And uh, Luther, because of some of the statements he made and... and uh, his refusal to give up the idea of salvation being by faith, he was excommunicated by, from the church, and he has had an impact on each and every one of us by the teachings he gave. And uh, we see the difference there because there were men like this. Luther was followed, in essence, by men like Zwingli and Calvin and Tyndale and Wesley and all of these early church individuals who set the tone for our church. Due to the Reformation, people were driven from their homes because of their belief in salvation by faith through the grace of God. America was colonized by a lot of these individuals that came to America and said, we want to have freedom to worship as we desire. And today, we have the understanding that it isn't the works we do that are important. They are important but we do them as a result of our relationship with God, not in order to receive a relationship with God. We need to understand that. That's what this whole book of Galatians is about. If you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 14 this morning. But uh, last week we were talking, and uh, we talked about the fact that we we should judge a teaching or what somebody says, not simply by the fact that somebody laid it out there or they were on TV or they wrote a book or whatever, but we judge it according to what we know to be true. What does the Bible teach? What does Scripture teach us? What do we know by our own experience? And experience always has to be uh, backed up by Scripture. But, but our experience in terms of what we understand about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ by what we understand about the indwelling process of the Holy Spirit and, and the oversight of, of the Heavenly Father. We need to be individuals like people from Berea. If you go back to the book of Acts in chapter 17, Paul went to the, to the church of Berea, to the people of Berea with the gospel. There wasn't a church there yet. 
and he'd just been to Thessalonica, and when he was there, they, they didn't really go back and study it, but he said the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they checked him out. They would go back to the Bible and say, is what he's teaching true? Do we believe it? Do we accept it? And so we see today that's the kind of people we need to be. So Paul took his listeners back to the Old Testament and he taught them what the Word of God had to say and and applied that. So as we come this morning, I want to read this passage to you and then I want to come back and just kind of tear it apart a little bit. But uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 14, uh, follow along as I, I read. Galatians 3, 6 through 14, it says, Even so Abraham believed God. There it is again. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us today. It's easy to get caught up with improper teaching, Father. We don't want to do that. We, uh, we want to study your word. We want to know what it says. We want to be able to apply it to our lives, Father, and come away stronger in our relationship with you. And so I pray that as I speak, you would open my mouth to give the words that you want, and as people listen, that they would hear the thoughts and the, and the teaching that you want them to receive, that they would walk away from here today better prepared to follow after you, simply because they know it isn't about what they do. It's not about their works, but, Father, it's about your work, your work through Jesus Christ on our behalf. So, Father, help us to gain insight into what you have here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go back to verse 6 and 7. It says, And so Abraham, being believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This, uh, just the idea here in this passage is that righteousness is acquired by our faith, not by our works. And that's really what it's saying. It begins right out here with a key word. It says, so Abraham believed God. And uh, I think that's the idea, that he put his trust and his faith in God. Do you do that? You see, that's where it is. It's, it's not in all the teaching or all the other things that we have, but it's do we put our faith in God? Do we really trust him? As a result of that, Abraham acted in obedience, but it was his faith that God looked at and said that's a good thing. That was why God accepted him. 
In fact, I want to look at the, the life of Abraham just a little bit right now. If you have your Bibles, turn back into the book of Genesis, chapter 12. Genesis, chapter 12. Uh, we will be looking at this tonight in our study on prophecy because we're going to be looking at the covenants that, that God gave to Abraham and to the Israelites. But in chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, I want to just read this to you uh, as you follow along or listen as I read. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And I'm really not going to read the whole thing. Let me just read the next verse or so. It says, So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan. And thus they came to the land of Canaan. And so... What happened was Abraham did exactly what God asked him to do, but that wasn't what made him acceptable to God. It was his belief. You see, the reason he went there was because he believed that God would do what he said he would do. Back in, in the book of James, um, James, it talks about the idea of faith and works. And in the second chapter of James, and the 20th 20th through the 23rd verses, it, it makes this statement. Are you, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see, faith was working with his works, and as a result of his works, faith was perfected. The scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And so when we look at it, what it's saying is that it begins with faith. When you, when you start doing the things God wants you to do, and I'll tell you, sometimes they're hard. Sometimes it's difficult to do the things God asks you to do. But you step out on faith, and when we step out on faith and do those things, that's when God blesses. You go back to Genesis in the uh, 17th chapter, and you find uh, Abraham's actions uh, taking place as a result of his faith. It says in 17.1, it says, Now Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, and I will be blameless. And be blameless, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, and I will make you the father of a multitude of nations." goes on in verses 6 through 8, and it says, And I will make you exceedingly fruit, fruit, fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you, therefore their generation, all through their, throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant 
to be a God to you and to your descendants after them. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all of the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Goes over in verse 15 to 19. It says, God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, she shall be called not be your you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. And then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will become will come from her. Abraham fell on his face. And he laughed, and he said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before me, before you. That was his son from a a relationship with Sarah's handmaiden. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And so God made this wonderful promise that he was going to do this. Why did Abraham follow God? Because God said, oh, I'll do this? Or because he believed God? See, sometimes we think God blesses us because we do all of the good things. What God desires first is is that we believe Do you believe in God? Do you believe that God is powerful enough to do the things that he says he'll do? Uh, Do you accept him in faith, or do you believe that you have to do certain things to be acceptable to him? We go back to our study in Galatians. It says, Abraham believed God. That was where it all began. It all began with faith. And then it says, that belief was reckoned to him as righteousness. It simply means it was put to his account. That's what he says. You know, the the account's paid for. Everything's taken care of. God took care of it. Uh, I thought about the idea of retirement. And let's say somebody comes to a person and says, you know, uh, you need to begin to prepare to retire. And you need to begin to put money aside. You need to set up kind of some kind of a savings program or a program where you're uh, going to get a little bit back on your investment. Why don't you put some money into a mutual fund? And the person says, well, I'd love to do that. But it, it, and he studies it, and it's going to take him $1,000 to get into the mutual fund. And he comes back and says, I can't do that. I don't have the money. I, I don't have the ability to do that. At that first time, the person who suggested he do it steps up and says, well, I'll do it for you. And you see, it became the person who was thinking about the retirement, it was put to his account. It was reckoned to him. It says when, when God reckoned, reckons righteousness to us, it's based on our belief in him. We believe God's going to do what he says he's going to do. We accept it by belief. And we step out on that, and it's all based on faith. Nothing less, nothing more. Abraham moved because God told him to. Because he believed that God told him, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Uh, He stepped out, and he did what God told him to do, and God blessed him. But it was based on his faith. You see, and that's where we all have to be. 
Abraham's faith was based on the power of God, that God could do the things he said he was going to do, and, and he accepted that. And so we see our righteousness is based, and acceptance before God is based on believing him, believing in him. Blessing is received also as a result of faith. If we go down to verses 8 and 9, listen to it. If I can find 8 in this new Bible, there it is. The scripture for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. You know, there was a, a prophecy, basically, that said not all of Abraham's descendants would be, uh, would be Jews, there would also be those who were Gentiles. Most of us here today are from Gentile backgrounds. We have that background. We're, we're not Jewish by birth. But we become followers of, of Abraham logically because of our faith. It's, it's, it's a logical thing. Uh, if Je Abraham was justified by faith and, and, and God said, I'm going to bless the nations, then we are. And bless simply means to be uh, happy or prosperous and certainly the greatest thing that we receive by faith is our salvation. You know, but uh, God blesses us by saying, I'm, I'm going to take you and I'm going to give you an eternal destiny in heaven. And, and we have faith there. But God blesses us in other ways. He blesses us in our families. Do you believe that God can give you a strong family if you're married? You put your faith and your trust in him that that's going to happen? And then are you willing to step out in faith and say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do? Knowing that you've made that promise? Knowing that it's there? Do you believe that God will take care of you financially, even when it gets a little short? And maybe you need to give a tithe or you need to give some money to something and you're not sure how that's going to work out? You believe God's going to take care of you? You see, that's what we're talking about here this morning in terms of faith. Uh, the Bible says if we seek God first and his righteousness, then all of the other things that we need are going to be added to us. So I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit this morning. Do you believe that? So what do you get anxious about? What do you get a little uptight about? See, that's where it is. It, 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 when we talk about stress, we've got a study on stress right now. Uh, stress is a lot of times based on the fact that we don't trust God to meet our needs in the issues where we're struggling. When we have trials, it isn't that God's going to remove us from the trials, but it's that we put our faith in him knowing that he's going to carry us through them. It's kind of like Peter. I read about him earlier when he was out there in a boat and there was a storm and he was with the disciples and they saw Jesus walking. And uh, Peter says, if, it, if it's really you, have me step out of the boat. And you remember what Jesus said? <laughs> yeah, if you believe, come on, Peter. Come on. When you're dealing with issues and struggles in your life, you believe God enough to step out and know he's going to take care of you. 
You see, that's really where the rubber meets the road on this, this faith issue. It's believing that God is powerful enough to meet the needs that I have in my life. Financially, emotionally, relationally. Do I put my faith in God? Do I put my trust in him? That's, that's what this whole passage is about, that, that it begins with the relationship of trust, of faith. Verses 10 to 12 just talks about the fact that justification is, is attained by faith as well. Let me read it to you, 10 through 12. It says, but as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, that no one is justified by the law of God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by, by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he, he who practices them shall live by them. No one's justified by the law. That's, that's really what it's saying. And that's simply because nobody's perfect. Uh, the law is not of faith. Uh, rules and regulations aren't of faith. You, uh, it, it, it simply says that in terms of the law, if we transgress the law in the smallest point, then we're a transgressor of the law. And that's what uh, he was telling here. So let me think about it a minute. Can I be good enough to get to heaven? No. No way. Because the Bible says, if, if I'm going to get into heaven, I have to be perfect. And it's talking about here, if I break the law, then I'm cursed. Then I can't get into heaven. It's an impossibility. In and of myself, I can't do it. And there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm not much of a lawbreaker. And let's take it back to uh, legality in California, Brentwood, Antioch. There are probably most of you here today who would say, I'm not a lawbreaker. I keep the law. I... I'm really good. Would, would most of you probably think that? You don't have to raise your hands uh, because I know you're saying, uh, no, Andy, we shouldn't say that. But, but, you know, even if we break the law in the minutest point, now, you may not be a murderer, you may not be an abuser, you may not be um, a robber, you may not be a snatch-and-grab guy that's been going into the Apple stores, you may not be any one of those people. How many of you drove a car to get here this morning? All right, how many of you were on the bypass? Okay, I was. Three of us. Only three of us. Whoa. Uh, I know I came down the bypass, and there is a sign where it says the speed limit is 65. Then I get down here, and it says 55, and it says 55 again, and then it says 65. I've never figured out how fast you can go on the bypass. They have all of these different things, and they haven't figured out how to take down signs or put up new ones yet. But anyway, I'm going down there, and I figure it's 65. But if I'm going 65, what's happening to me in terms of the traffic? It's all going by me. Man, it's flying by me. I'm, I'm going way too slow. But you want to know something? If I go 66, what did I do? I broke the law. I'm a lawbreaker. I may not be a murderer, but I am a lawbreaker. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying that even if you break the law in the minutest detail, 
you're no longer acceptable to heaven if it's based on keeping the law. Because you see, we're not perfect. It's, it's all about faith. It's all about trusting God. It's all about putting our, our faith in him. If there were any other way for us to get to heaven rather than the grace of God, boy, people would try. But they can't. If there were any other way for us to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they'd try. But we can't. You know why we'd try? Because we like to do things ourselves. What happens with a two-year-old when mom tries to help her, dad tries to help him? What do you hear? I can do it myself. You want to know something? We say the same thing as adults, and we want to say it to God. I can do it myself. Verses 13 and 14, it goes on here, and it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Everybody hangs on a tree. You know, in, in, in the Israelite nation, they didn't hang people on trees. They stoned them normally, unless what they did was so critical and so horrendous, and then they would hang them up, and they would leave it for everybody to walk by, and they would put the sin of that person or the what law he had broken up above them so you knew. And it was a deterrent to others not to do the same thing. Uh, I would imagine if I walked uh, along and I saw a guy hanging from a tree or hanging on a cross, I would probably look and see what he did and go, whoo, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. When Jesus was hung on the cross, they put above him the statement, King of the Jews, because that's the reason he was crucified, according to Pilate. He was a revolutionary. It says, because I break the law, I'm cursed. I I was the one that should have hung there. And yet Jesus did it for me. He took the curse for me. Let's let's say there's a guillotine, and they're just about to take my life, and they've laid me down there, and my neck is stretched out, and the blade is right up above me. And just before it drops, Jesus steps in and takes my place. That's what the cross was about. And so by faith at that point, I put my trust in really my relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and because of that faith, I'm acceptable now to God. I, I, I'm made righteous by the grace of God. I'm blessed by his grace. I'm justified by his grace. And I'm redeemed by the grace of God. Abraham was an Israelite. He was the first of the Israelites. He was the head. He was the father of the Israelite nation. And yet Abraham received God by grace, not by the law. In fact, it was 400 years later at least before the law was even written. He didn't have the law. And in the same way, the law has been laid aside for us that we might come to God by grace, his grace, our faith. And there is no other way. You can go to churches today. And you'll hear that you have to do this or that or that or take this class or take that class or 
be baptized or take communion or be married in the church or whatever it is to be acceptable to God. And what the Bible says is that's not the key at all. The key is faith. It's faith. Do you receive him by faith? Do you accept his grace, his gift? If we don't, we're lost. No matter how hard we try or how good we are. Because we can't make it on our own. And that's what this whole book of Galatians is all about. I'll tell you, I, I think I think children and young people can grow up in our churches, in our Sunday school classes, in our youth groups, in our adult classes, and miss the point because they can walk out and still thinking it's all about how good I am. All the things I do or I don't do. And God says the only thing that matters. Your life changes. It'll be transformed when the Holy Spirit comes in. But the only thing that matters in your relationship is receiving the grace of God, the gift of what Jesus Christ gave us on the cross by faith, by belief. Let's pray, shall we? Father, you gave us Galatians, and it really hammers this home time and time again that the, the issue is not what we do. It's what you've done. The issue is becoming like Abraham, our father. He, he believed what you said, and as a result of his belief, he moved. As, he, as a result of his belief, it changed his life. It changed where he was. We believe, and the Bible says it is reckoned, it is put to our account as righteousness, as acceptable before God. I think back to this study we're doing on end times, and we're going to come to the great white throne judgment. And Father, I, I was just thinking about it, how the books of our lives are going to be opened up, and you're going to look at all the good things and the bad things an individual did, and we'll see that we're lawbreakers, that we didn't make it by being good. And then he's going to open up. Jesus will open up. The judge will open up. The one book that matters, the Lamb's Book of Life, and in there is my name there. My name's there. It's credited to me as righteousness because of faith. I would pray that for every individual here this morning that they would understand their relationship with you is not based on how good they are, but based on accepting what you've told us to be true by faith. Thank you, Father. I just have to thank you for such a great gift because I'd be lost for eternity without it. Thank you for your word, the Bible that teaches us the things you want us to hear. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that makes it clear to us because the Bible says we can't even understand the Bible without the leading of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. For each person here, I pray that you would bless them. If there's some person here that doesn't know you, Father, they really haven't stepped out in faith and belief, I pray that this morning they would do that for their sake. For your glory, but it's also for their benefit, their blessing. 
Thank you, Father, for making it available to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.